Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Okay, Die Hard, it's a Christmas movie. You've convinced me. I move on. It's fine. Even um, my buddy uh, Mike Witty from the uh, Cardinals texted me. He said, Dan, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. If he says it, then it's got to be a fact because he knows all. He's smart. And uh, John McClain saves Christmas. Okay, I got it on the text line. Danny Mac, come on. Al was eating Twinkies. You're right. I got put on the spot. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Just flat out wrong. And it's okay to say, Scott, you're wrong when you're wrong. Exactly. You know, so yeah, I move on. I digress. To. I'm wrong. Sorry, I've only seen it a couple of times. I wouldn't have known that either. I've seen it at least a couple hundred. Oh. So I haven't, but I haven't seen it in a while. That's a thing. Haven't seen it in a while. So, but still, I, I can't go out. You know, I'm not off the hook. Christmas in July, Dan. Come on. Christmas in July. Again. You know, I miss that at the ballpark. We do Christmas in July usually down at the ballpark. That's one of the uh, fun theme nights. I miss those theme nights. I miss Star Wars night. I'm a big Star Wars Me fan. Me too. It's my favorite. Got the Star Wars shirt. Outside Can't... of players getting hurt or anything bad coming along with it. Yeah, we did have a lot of guys get hurt on Star <laughs> Wars night, didn't we? Like back-to-back yeah, like years. Back to back. Good call. Uh, 618, I play the movie. I play that movie every Christmas. It's not like, though, you get around the Christmas tree. Hey, uh, kids, come on down. Santa's going to be here, and let's play Die Hard. I don't think you do that. Come on. I've never seen it. You've never seen Die Hard? I've never seen Die Hard. Need to see it. Good movie. All right, here we go. Text line is open, 65780. We'll get into the Minnesota Twins coming to town. Uh, Dick Bremer, longtime play-by-play voice, will be um, my guest. And we'll talk about uh, the Minnesota Twins and the Cardinals coming up tonight. Carlos Martinez and Homer Bailey. And uh, I, I will say this. I've said this before. I'm not sure if you're named Homer Bailey. That's a good pitcher's name. Homer. Now, if you're a hitter, Perfect. Your slugging first baseman, Homer, perfect. Homer Bailey, by the way, couple of no hitters. He was really good in Cincinnati. Couldn't stay healthy. Gave him a huge contract and pitched a little with a uh, little bit with Kansas City, a little bit with the uh, Dodgers, and they're trying to figure out the back end of the rotation. We'll see Rich Hill tomorrow spinning curveballs, and uh, the Cardinals counter with Carlos Martinez and Miles Michaelis. So it's a two-game series. Then the Cardinals go to Milwaukee and then Detroit. So traveling. And here we go. 65780 on the text line, Air Comfort Service text line, and a mic drop if you want to do that as well. Uh, That is available for you. All right. The Marlins had four more test positive. So basically close to half their uh, roster has tested positive for COVID-19. So this is very much a scary situation for the Marlins. In terms of baseball, let's hope that everybody stays safe, healthy, gets back, quarantines. Then you get the negative test and they're back and ready to roll. Rob Manfred appearing on MLB Network yesterday and the schedule going forward. Well, our first concern, obviously, is the health of the players and their families and making sure that we do everything possible to minimize the spread of the virus among our employees. 
We've been fortunate so far. We've done tens of thousands of tests. Our positive rate has been 0.4%. So we feel like the protocols have worked pretty well. Notwithstanding that fact, we have made some decisions. The Miami Marlins will not play their two games in Miami tonight and tomorrow. We're doing some additional testing. If the testing results are acceptable, the Marlins will resume play in Baltimore on Wednesday against the Orioles. Okay, so that's a look at that. Now, the Yankees, we get word, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have canceled their game at Citizens Bank Park precautionary correct and the Phillies have tested negative already today correct all their players and so it's more about look let's just slow it down take a breath deep cleansing again of Citizens Bank Park Yankees will go and play tomorrow so that is good news Um, now Rob Manfred was also asked about the idea of once they heard about the testing on Sunday their decision to go ahead and play really what happened was there was testing on Friday one positive on Saturday, testing again on Saturday, and the three additional positives on Sunday. What then happened under the protocols was we did contact tracing um, on all four positives. There was, I think, a small number of players who met the CDC guidelines. They were quarantined. We ordered additional testing. We did symptom checks. Um, We did temperature checks and decided to proceed with the game on on Sunday. Okay, so they proceeded on Sunday. We'll not play tonight. We'll see about tomorrow. Buster Olney of ESPN uh, talked about this Marlins situation. He said it will not shut down Major League Baseball. This is not going to come close to shutting this down uh, for Major League Baseball. As one general manager said to me, look, this is a business, and these guys are going to plow ahead. It's why they created these 60-player pools where you could draw extensively from other players. The Marlins, as you guys have seen today, also reaching out to people outside the organization. And, and to underscore this point, um, just you know how much they're going to treat it like a business. In 1995, uh, 29 of the 30 baseball owners were willing to put Class A and AA players out and replacement players as a major league product. So the idea that this situation is going to be derailed because they're concerned about the quality of play with the number of players being taken off the field. Don't worry about that. I got to wonder, you know, as the Marlins are rebuilding, we had Craig Mish on the show yesterday, um, and this is no disrespect to the Marlins, none. However, what if this was the Yankees? What would we, what would we be saying then? And the Yankees had Stanton, Judge, some of their best players. Um, or one of the top teams in the game. What would we be saying then? And again, this is no disrespect to the Marlins or the Orioles or any lesser team in the league. You know, going into the season, this is a rebuilding team. These are not household names. Urania, maybe. Um, Alfaro, maybe. Garrett Cooper. Yeah, maybe. Um, And again, it's no disrespect to those players or the organization. It's to no fault of their own that this happened. Um, but when you have big names and a big organization, I mean, you say the Yankees, that is worldwide. That's a brand. It, it, it is something to think about. Um, it's scary. But I think Buster makes up a, a great point. Um, you, you know, right now, you just hope the players quarantine, get back, get healthy. They're back in the lineup. It's two weeks. Two weeks in baseball is a lot to get timing back and those kind of things. 
but where did they find the players? Um, and the other part of this, too, is that th- they have a couple of, well, they got more than a couple. I mean, the Marlins are going to be really good in about two years. Studs coming up. I see the Marlins in spring training. I go to the backfields. I see a lot of their young spring training guys, uh, minor league players, some that were in major league camp. They got studs coming. They've been picking top picks. Um, So these guys are developing. Unfortunately, no minor league season. I get it. But they're going to their satellite camp at Jupiter. So they're going to continue to get better in training and those kind of things and live BP. Um, But you don't want to call them up because then you start their clock. And so there's the business side of that. And they're probably not ready to face Carlos Martinez and Miles Michaelis and John Lester, who was great yesterday for the Cubs, or Craig Kimbrell, who was not, by the way. But you get the idea. They, they're not ready to face Major League Pitching. You wouldn't think yet. So there's the development and there's the business side. And so you're trying to field a competitive team. Um, it's just fascinating to see how they're going to do this. And, you know, it's a very tough spot that baseball is in. These are also human beings. You know, you're talking about putting guys at risk, and the players have said, I'm willing to take that risk. It's my job. But, you know, when you have double-digit players getting COVID, just getting a player out there that's ready to go, you say, well, go just go get that guy. Put him out there. Well, what's he been doing to train? It's, it's not just diving into a double-A team or a triple-A team. You're not sure how they've been ready to go. So you say, well, go get Puig. Well, Puig was going to sign, remember, but he had COVID. So it's been probably two weeks. Is he ready to go? What's he been seeing? I don't know. Is he ready to play? So it's a very difficult situation that Major League Baseball is in. Jeff Passan addressed on uh, this situation on ESPN if the players will feel safe and follow the protocols that have been set by Major League Baseball. The question of confidence throughout Major League Baseball in this plan that the league has, in the protocol that the league has, is it enough to keep them safe? Is it enough where players believe that traveling around the country, they are going to be kept away from COVID-19 as best as they possibly can, of course? You know, we saw this weekend walk-off home runs celebrated with dog piles. We saw high fives and dugouts. We saw all kinds of things that are outlawed by that protocol. And I'm not just saying that the players aren't the ones who are, you know, not following it. I'm saying that if this is going to work, if this has the best chance of working, everybody involved needs to follow those protocols. And if they don't, we may end up with another situation like we had with the Marlins. Well, I do think, though, it's a wake-up call, kind of like we saw in, as we talked about with Randy and Michelle, and Scott, we saw it in uh, 2.0 summer camp, you know, the, the early testing. It was like, okay, it's not right. It needs to get smoother. needs to have a rhythm to it. And it did. It got better. And the numbers bore that out. I mean, there was very few guys that were testing positive. Now you had this outbreak on the Marlins. Okay, it's a wake-up call. Lack of a better term, but it's an awareness. This is something we have to deal with, whether it's guys sitting on a bus or – uh, the plane wasn't ready, or uh, was it a flight attendant? Okay, we, we don't know. But these are scenarios that are presented to us that we have to be aware of, which I'm sure, I'm positive, they went through every possible scenario, but are we covering everything again and again and again and again? You have to do it. Yeah, I think it's a big thing that the Phillies didn't have anybody test positive today. 
because at shows at the ballpark, they're also taking every single precaution. Marlins players aren't going over to the Phillies locker room before the game or whatever, seeing anybody on the field, maybe high five and hugging. So, I mean, that's a great, great first step is that it seems as of today that it's still just contained inside the Marlins organization. So it just it just shows that that part is is working. So that's good news. Stan Kasten is the president of the Dodgers and uh, for every other team, maybe it's business as usual. I don't believe there's going to be any panic just yet. I think we understood there might be occasions like this, which is why we had our player pool as big as it is. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to the Marlins because I don't really know the extent of it just yet and who may or may not be uh, in second for how long they may be at risk. So I guess we'll get an update on all of that. Um, my understanding from talking to other teams is that it's supposed to be business as usual, at least for every other team. I know that the game in Miami and in Philadelphia for tonight has been postponed. I don't know. I don't know how we make it up or when. So maybe we'll learn all of those things today. But I also think this is going to be uh, an evolving process. Um, and hopefully this is the worst outbreak we have for the rest of the season because it will teach us some things. But I do think we expected something like this at some point and maybe getting it out of the way uh, early will help teach us things that will avoid repetitions of these going forward. So for the time being, the show goes on. That means the Cardinals take on the Minnesota Twins tonight. And when we come back, we'll talk it over with Dick Bremer. He is a longtime play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Twins. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Longtime voice of the Minnesota Twins, one of the best in baseball is Dick Bremer. We get the chance to visit with him. And Dick, I wish I could be up north in Minnesota. We could uh, handshake and, and not be socially distant. We're miles away from each other, but we get to call baseball tonight, and that's a good thing. How are you? We're doing fine. We'd have some really uh, nice weather for you up here. Nice uh, relief from the uh, Missouri uh, heat and humidity is supposed to be in the low 80s and partly cloudy. And and uh, we're looking forward to seeing our ballpark in action. It's uh, going to be strange, of course, with no fans there, but uh, we're glad to be uh, watching a ball game nonetheless. I'm curious what it's been like for you calling games off a monitor. What, what's that? Uh, what's that been like for Dick Bremer? Well, a lot of people are asking me that, as I'm sure they're asking you that, and I, I well, you, you know, you'll get, I guess, that experience. Uh, but uh, my answer is, it's it's gone better than I had feared, and I and I don't know whether that's good or not. I guess it is um, because we've never done this before, and so we're uh, adjusting to doing something that um, you know goes against pretty much every instinct we have, where we react to what we see not on the screen but on the field but we're doing the best we can and uh well all the viewers i think care about is that the twins played three games in chicago and they scored 27 runs so if the fans are happy then i'll be happy that's the bottom line baseball back on their tv back on their radio and back on the field and that minnesota twins team can rake how how good is this team dick in terms of the offense that they provide night in and night out well, they scored uh, a record number of runs, 939 runs of, for the franchise, uh, hit 307 home runs. And if anything, with the addition of Josh Donaldson, if this team stays healthy, the lineup will actually be better uh, in a shorter season, of course, than I think they were last year. 
power up and down the lineup, uh, almost one through nine. Uh, but they're not healthy, and they're not quite where they'd like to be. Byron Buxton hasn't played uh, yet this year. He may be in the lineup tonight, and he's the wild card for me, Danny. I, you know, a lot of teams have power. Uh, you know, we'll face uh, you know perhaps the Yankees again if we get to the playoffs. The Yankees have a lot of power. Houston has a lot of power. But Buxton, to me, is the wild card because he brings a skill set to the Twins lineup that, that most teams just don't have. He's got some power. But he's got lightning speed, and he is, you know, a platinum uh, defender, a platinum glove defender out in center field. So the Twins are looking forward to getting him back in the lineup. He is one of the great defenders in the game, and yet you have a 40-year-old that's still putting up big numbers. What is the deal here with Nelson Cruz? Unbelievable. Well, he uh, we concluded after watching the three games in Chicago, and he he had eight home runs against the White Sox last year and had a great series last weekend. I don't know where they can pitch him. You know, I mean, he, he hit pitches uh, away from him out to right field, uh, breaking ball that was almost in the dirt. He hit that to center. He hit a screamer to left on a fastball up and in. I mean, he's, he's just amazing. He's, you know, we were lucky here, Danny, to have, you know, Jim Tomey towards the end of his career. And, and Nelson reminds me a lot of Tomey in that he's got his routine, you know, and I'm sure you guys – have seen it over the years too with all the great sluggers you've had there. They have their routine. They don't vary from it. Uh, for Nelson, one of his uh, components of his routine is to take a late afternoon nap. And so with no, <laughs> with no fans in the stands or the suites, they've converted a couple. And it, some of his teammates have, you know, of course, picked up on it. And so we have, you know, a nap room, a nap suite at Target Field. And they'll go in there and just take a little 10, 15-minute nap and go out and, and mash. And, uh, um, you know, this industry, this business is a copycat industry, so don't be surprised if pretty soon some of the Cardinal hitters aren't napping too. It's unbelievable. How about, uh, <clears throat> Dick, COVID-19? How has it affected, if at all, uh, the Twins? I, I haven't been paying that closely attention uh, to if and when players have returned or not, but has it affected the roster at all? Well, uh, on the uh, um, what's the term? Uh, incoming uh, testing or whatever, uh, intake testing, I guess. Uh, uh, Miguel Sano, asymptomatic, but he tested positive, and so too uh, utility man uh, Williams Astadio. Uh, Sano is back with the team. He typically has been uh, a slow starter anyway, and so he didn't have a particularly good series in Chicago. He only played in two games. Uh, Ostadio, who will probably be on the 30-man roster eventually, has just been cleared uh, uh, through the protocol to start baseball activity. Uh, so other than that, you know, cross your fingers, the Twins have been pretty lucky in terms of uh, not having anybody else uh, test positive since the training camp began. But as you know, you know, every team is going to deal with a yeah. Juan Soto-type situation. It's going to happen, and it's just a question of who – and when, uh, you know, these players uh, are going to test positive. What did you hear about the, the travel for the Twins? You know, I, I've talked to, to different teams about how they, they separate, let's say, the catchers and the starters will separate from each other to make sure that if somebody does have it and maybe they test negative, but you don't know because 
the results could be 36 or 48 hours later. So they're trying to be as responsible as they can. And bus times are exact times. And, you know, it's it's multiple buses and things of that nature. What, what did you hear about the twins and, and how they were traveling and some of the details that went into it? Well, they went in early. They ended up spending six days, I guess, in Chicago. Uh, which is, you know, perfect length for your first road trip. I know the Cardinals have a three-city road trip starting tonight, and that'll, that'll be a test. Um, during their training camp, they did something kind of unique. They had the pitchers, all the pitchers, work out of the visiting clubhouse at Target Field, and the position players worked out of the home dugout. So the only time they saw each other was when they were, you know, practicing, working out, or having an inter-squad scrimmage. On the road, you're right. I think there were four buses uh, players were told, you know, get back to the hotel as soon as you can. We're going to have early buses, uh, shower if you want at the ballpark, uh, but you don't have to. And uh, so, you know, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. It was about the the right length for the first road trip, and uh, you know, they'll be tested again today, I'm sure, and we'll see if they got through it okay. Uh, you've got great leadership on this Twins team uh, in uniform with Nelson Cruz and. Uh, with about a week left in training camp with the advent of the new season. Uh, Rocco Baldelli had a meeting, and then Nelson Cruz uh, held court. And he's the most respected guy in that clubhouse, as he should be, with over 400 home runs. And he very clearly said, you know, when we're going out on the road, uh, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your teammates, you know, to conduct yourself accordingly. And uh, he, you know, he commands an awful lot of respect. And I suspect that uh, you wouldn't if you're a Twins player right now. The last guy you'd want to disappoint would be Nelson Cruz. So sure. uh, I strongly suspect that they handled that pretty well over the weekend in Chicago. You mentioned the name of Rocco Baldelli, and and he had just a fabulous season as the team did with uh, 100 plus wins a year ago going into postseason play. What was it like, Dick, being around him? You've been around many Hall of Famers. You've seen great players come through the Twin Cities. Uh, what was it like seeing him as a first year manager? Well, I think what they did uh, very early on, uh, even before spring training started in 2019, uh, they questioned pretty much everything that baseball teams have been doing for more than 100 years regarding, uh, you know, uh, spring training practices, uh, rituals, whatever. And if any part of the answer to the question, why are we doing this this way, was, well, that's the way we've always done it, they probably threw that out the window. It was a very unconventional um, spring training uh, going back to last year. Uh, you know, I, you're probably like me. You like to get to spring training early in the day just because it's fun to be at the ballpark. Definitely. And I found myself a lot in 2019 showing up at 9, 9.30 and being the first person there uh, because they had uh, what they call show and go. Um you know, just told the players, hey, show up at 11 o'clock, get yourself ready and be ready to play at 1 o'clock. This is, of course, in spring training. But then they carried that forward into the regular season as well. Players were told, you know what, just show up at 5 o'clock, do whatever you got to do to get ready to play at 7 o'clock and go play. And, of course, the players responded very well to that because, you know, they were kind of on their own and could do their own thing as long as they were ready to go at 7 o'clock. 
Unreal. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with this, Dick. Well, actually, a couple of things. Um, we have our fans getting used to the designated hitter. Well, we've seen that in interleague play, but now we're seeing it every day. Are you a DH guy? Do you like the designated hitter? Convince me why I should like the DH, because I'm, I'm conventional, <laughs> man. I, you know, I, I'm not sure I can get into this, but tell me why I should like the DH. Well, I'm like you. I, I prefer the National League style of play because that's what I grew up with. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I prefer it. I always have. I look forward to, you know, going to St. Louis and Wrigley Field and the National League cities uh, because that was the game I grew up with. But I, I just, I, it's always bothered me that the two leagues played by two different rules. Agreed. A sets of rules. And, and, and you know that it was never going to go back to, you know, pitchers hitting again in both leagues. So the only thing I can tell you is I'm, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, satisfying my uh, angst about this as well uh, by saying at least both leagues are playing by the same rules. And that's probably something that should have been done a long time ago. No doubt. All right. I'll wrap it up with this. We've got Homer Bailey going tonight for the Minnesota twins. We have seen a bunch of him here in St. Louis, couple of no hitters under his belt when he was with the Cincinnati reds and rich Hill was a guy at one point that was just trying to hang on and was in camp with the Cardinals a number of years ago and then perfected his curveball and made a bunch of money, and he's still going at, what, the age of 40 or 41, whatever he is. He'll go tomorrow. So tell me about uh, Homer Bailey and Rich Hill. What have you seen out of those two? Well, I've only seen Homer Bailey pitch once, and that was against the Cubs at Wrigley Field in the exhibition game, and he didn't fare particularly well. He he, uh, hung some change-ups and and, uh, got beaten around a little bit, gave up, I think, three home runs. Uh, so he'll look for a better effort than that. Uh, Rich Hill's really kind of an interesting case study because there there are no silver linings for the delayed start to the season. Uh, but he was not going to be ready at the start of the year anyway and was only going to be ready to go about this time of the year anyway. He had a, an experimental elbow procedure done, not Tommy John, something a little more conservative and, and untested. And everything points to the fact that it's worked really well but he was not scheduled to be ready till July anyway. So we'll be anxious to see how he does. As you know, uh, he's been an awfully good pitcher for the Dodgers the last few years. Sure has. Has some, some success in the postseason as well. And uh, on that basis alone, he belongs on the Twins because we haven't had any success in the postseason for a long while. So we'll see how it plays out. But you know, Josh Donaldson signing got a lot of the headlines as it should. But they really did a nice job backfilling the starting rotation getting Kenta Maeda, Homer Bailey tonight, and Rich Hill tomorrow. Dick, great to hear your voice. Uh, One of the great voices in Major League Baseball, and I can't uh, say thank you enough. Miss seeing you. Won't see you tonight, but I've been watching you for so long. And again, appreciate your time so much. Let's do this again when the Twins go down to St. Louis in a few weeks. Would love to do it. That's Dick Bremer. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Here comes service text line from the 314. Why cancel the Yankees and the Phillies? By the way, there was a report that no Philadelphia Phillies players or coaches tested positive in the most recent batch of coronavirus tests. That according to Jesse Rogers and Jeff Passan of ESPN. And uh, the reason why, just an abundance of caution. That's the bottom line. They're just going to be overly cautious uh, with this. Uh, this is from the 573. Danny Mack, love the show. How is Bob Gibson doing? Talked to Tim McCarver, I guess it was about a week ago. Asked about Bob. Great spirits, good health. 
that's the latest on Bob. And he was planning on being in St. Louis for opening day. That's one of the real disappointments about opening day. Uh, not the most recent opening day, but the original normal scheduled opening day with the Red Jackets and the Hall of Famers, which would have been a great surprise for a lot of people. He was going to be there and... Um, was going to be there in his normal place and be there for opening day and be celebrated with all the great Hall of Famers. Uh, Danny Mack, watching the games over the weekend, watching baseball overall, what do you think the key is in these games in the shortened season? Well, I would say the key right now, early on in these games, number one, health. I mean, that's that's clear. I mean, when you see what's going on with the Marlins and they're, they're missing key player, there's number one, just having a healthy team. That's obvious. Number two, looking at the games last night, um, and I look at the box scores. I, I watch what's going on with the Cardinals specifically. But last night, 18 starters. 18 starters. Nobody went more than five innings. So if you don't have depth in your bullpen, if you don't have arms, um, you're just not getting through games. And we saw, for instance, in the Cubs game, John Lester, I think, was had a no-hitter through five and they have issues big time in their bullpen. Craig Kimbrell came in, walked three, had a wild pitch, uh, may have hit a man, I'm not sure, but he was not good in spring training for the most part, was having trouble, and I mean spring, uh, spring training 2.0, struggled last night. They had something like a 7-0 or 7-1 lead. They held on, and Jeremy Jeffress, the one that, that gentleman that was let go, the one that was let go by the Brewers and then picked up by the Cubs, had to come in and clean it up. You've got to have depth in your bullpen. And that's why I think the Cardinals can separate themselves in these games early on. Knock on wood, you keep playing, fingers crossed, are so important with the depth that they have in their bullpen. And they've got it with Daniel Ponce de Leon and length. So if you do have a starter that gets hurt, injured, sick, whatever, they can slide that guy in. Jake Woodford is another one who's on the taxi squad. They've got Daniel Ponce de Leon, but that's where they can separate themselves. And they should be getting better, too, with the availability, I would assume, of Gallegos tonight through a bullpen on Saturday. They thought the, uh, the, the feeling was that he was good, looked good on Saturday. He would be available to go tonight. But that's what I see. I mean, 18 starters, nobody going more than five. If you don't have that depth in the bullpen, man, it's tough to win. Very, very tough to win all right cross it over ribs bk bk is back today we'll do that next on 101 espn more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn uh, we we're just talking off the air i gotta bring this up <laughs> I said, Rivs, did you play against Craig Berube? He said, or I said, did you play with him? He said, well, I played against him. I said, really? He goes, he was respectful. <laughs> he said, but you got to remember, Danny Mac, we had Tony Twist on the bench. Said, well, yeah, that's the great equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate equalizer. And uh, that's the thing. You know, no matter who you played against, you always had Twister sitting there. And yeah. more than willing to throw a leg over the boards and come out and, and dance with somebody. And a quick story. And I, we got about a minute here, so I'll really fast forward through it. We're in Chicago. They have a really tough team. Probert's on the team. Mark Jansen's, Vanden Bush, Manson, like a ton of guys that are tough. And I had crushed a guy earlier in that period, uh, separated his shoulder, and I knew that 
these guys are price. They're coming for me, right? Yeah. We have a face-off just in front of our bench uh, on an offside. They have last change in their building. Over the boards comes every guy that's, you know, I'm like, okay. And I'm looking on the ice, and I've got Conroy, Pellerin, Atchinham. Good luck. And I forget who was my CPA. partner, but it wasn't Rudy Poshek that time. And so they win the faceoff back, uh, and their defenseman goes to shoot it in to dump it in so right. they could just run me through the boards. Well, he fires it back into the bench by accident. The whistle goes. You're jumping on. I'm like, I'm done, right? I'm looking at Coach Q like I'm waving, like, hey, I'm off, right? I'm off, right? Q just looks the other way, and those guys stay out there, and then all of a sudden, Twister, who's right there at the faceoff, gives a stick tap on the shoulder to Scott Pellerin and pulls him off, and Twister just stands there and, like, stares at the guys. And then he goes, anybody want to and fight? <laughs> and everybody that's put awesome. their heads down and I was like then I was like yeah I was like chest out like yeah that's right yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right let's go dump it <laughs> now I'm really tough were you on the ice it was a Saturday game a national game and uh, I don't know if you were part of this team but Lindros had lit up oh yeah, that, yeah, oh, yeah. and he kept chasing Lindros with the stick and, <laughs> and patting him on it was like 8-3 to three was the final yeah Lindros is on the ice and uh, Twister just chased him around the ice for about two minutes. Seriously, two minutes. Yeah. And patting him on. It was a national game. And just patting him on the butt and saying, come on, man, let's go. And he wouldn't go. No, he wouldn't. he's smarter than that. Yeah, and I that, know. But it was just unbelievable the funny, theater. The funny twist to that one is that, pardon the pun, I guess, yeah. on that one, is that Twister came to the bench after. He goes, oh, that's the hardest shift I've had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to chase a Lindros all over the ice. <laughs> awesome. What do you got coming up on the show? Uh, yeah, look, we got lots of good stuff. We got JR coming on. We got Jesse Rogers coming on from good, uh, yeah. Major League Baseball. We're going to tackle, certainly, this Marlins situation yep. and what's going on there. I feel like that's going to be uh, a fluid event as oh, we yeah. move forward here. St. Louis Blues are getting ready for some exhibition hockey tomorrow night here on 101 ESPN. So uh, I'm excited, man. we got a lot of great things going on, and uh, you're excited to talk about it. Yep. We'll have a baseball game and a hockey game tomorrow night at the same time. Incredible. Incredible. So much fun. All right, Rivs, looking forward to it. Thanks, Scotty, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.